Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. Good morning. Welcome in once again. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Friday. Glad to have you aboard with us as we talk the world of sports. Trent Condon running today with my man Emery Songer, who is in the hot seat this late morning. What's happening, Emery? I am just thrilled, honored to be a part of this program. Always a pleasure to work with you, Trent Condon. Don't get a chance to do it enough. Thanks so much for having me. No, looking forward to it, and you'll be back on the airwaves here this evening, I believe, with Emery Plus One. You are correct, and I... You know what? That is a professional plug. Alex Cohen, voice of the Iowa Cubs, Uh is my plus one this evening, 6 p.m. We are going to talk a lot about baseball and a lot about just his life in general. Uh, You know, he's got quite a story of his, you know, odyssey in minor league baseball to get the job that he's got now and he's had for the last few years with the Iowa Cubs. His uh, wonderful partner, his fiance, I believe now, uh, Tessa, who is from the West Coast in California and is kind of settled now here in the state of Iowa trying to get adjusted to our seasons, the weather, and just the, the culture and the life. Uh, really, really cool and fun. So going to talk to him about all things that, and he's a huge NFL fan and really loves to break down like the NFL draft. I know he thrives on NFL offseason talk, too. So all of that coming up 6 o'clock tonight here on KXNL. You know, I really do enjoy your show, and I love the long-form interview. So, you know, the way that Ken and I do it here – It's a lot of guests, a lot of quick hits, get in, out, 10 minutes, you know, talk to people, kind of the biggest stories of the day, doing those kind of things. But I really enjoy the way that you are able to go deeper with people and find out more about them and and take a topic and really stretch it out, really enjoy what you do. Last week, a couple weeks ago with Ken, enjoyed that one and hearing, of course, all the stories that I hear in different ways from time to time enable that ability to go deep. And you were able to pull it out of them. You know, the old man. It's hard to get some stuff out of them, as I've grown to know throughout the years. You're, you're able to do that. That was good stuff. Yeah, no, and I appreciate him for doing the show. You're going to have to be a plus one here in the coming weeks. I'm in. Um, you know, and, and you, you want to – I got some news about next week's show. Oh, yeah? Not that, not that I'm trying to usurp Alex Cohen this week, but next week, my plus one. I've been very excited to talk to this guy, and now that he's got a little free time, I'm going to get a chance to chat with him. Ian Eagle is going to be my wow. plus one next Friday. Cannot wait to do that. Of course, the voice, uh, you hear him uh, doing NBA playoffs. He's done NFL with CBS. He does March Madness for Turner. Uh, just in, He's the Brooklyn Nets mm-hmm. TV play-by-play broadcaster. So And has been for decades. Yeah, so Ian Eagle, the man, That's the myth, great. the legend, he's going to be my plus one. And I got a couple of big ones that are also in the works on the sports broadcasting side of thing that we're going to sprinkle in throughout the summer as well. So it's going to be a good time. Yeah, that's great. And if you can't catch it on Friday night, you can catch the podcast, and that'll be up, and you uh, get those up throughout the weekend. And Yes, sir. Yeah, some good listening as I'm on the lawn. You know what? Trent, you're the man. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, the man yesterday, well, there was a lot of them, and we got lots to break down here today. So want to go through it. First of all, your viewing last night. Knowing you're going to come in here, so did you lock in? Was it, all right, going to get NBA, NHL, MLB? Your White Sox played the afternoon, so that helped yep. out. So 
What was the viewing for Emery Songer getting ready for today? So I am a YouTube TV guy. Okay. All right. And uh, I basically have unlimited DVR access on mm-hmm. YouTube TV. I mean, I could DVR every show in the world if I wanted to and go back and revisit. Uh, it's really nice to have because I can just basically say, save sports. Mm-hmm. You know, when the Olympics are on, that's the best, right? Because <laughs> then any Olympic event, they just automatically record saves and then it'll categorize it for me so I can go back and watch based on event and all that stuff stuff this regular sports the exact same way so if there's stuff that's happening i'm following social media and everything but i watch it all there i hate to say this on a commercial radio station but i don't got time for commercials yeah so they they start pulling those commercials up no matter what the day of the week is there's another sporting event on i was on fanatics a couple days ago and talked about i got 15 minutes of a wnba game in that i watched <laughs> wow. and i loved it I, yeah. I mean like it's such a you forget there's it's a completely different brand of basketball. Mm-hmm. So you know, having MLB Network and having NHL playoffs and NBA playoffs, it it is really nice that you know I can just kind of jump back and forth. So it it was all on the menu, Trent. If I'm being honest with you, and the most shocking thing that I saw that really stuck with me that I spent the rest of the night on social media seeing how people reacted was that last second goal by the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. to to steal a game over the Florida Panthers. Um, that that's that is a huge moment, not just in that series, but in the Stanley Cup playoffs, because it almost feels now inevitable mm-hmm. that Tampa Bay is going to win the Stanley Cup again. And last night was a moment where it's like, okay, that series is over. Yeah, up to nothing, going back to Tampa now. I I cannot imagine a scenario in which Florida can beat them four out of the next five games. I, I'm right there with you. And as good as Florida was this year, and. You know, Ken's talked a lot about the talent of Colorado and the most talented team, but the team that had the most points this year were the Florida Panthers. And now they're in the hole. They finally broke through, got to the second round of the playoffs for the first time in, in a couple of decades to break through and get to that point. And then they see the rival Tampa sitting there, and they take the first two games. So I was locked in last night to Blues Avalanche. I, I was really looking forward to that. I had a little financial investment. I did. I asked Ken, should I bet Colorado to sweep? Or the Blues to win the series. I want to take a big price. That's a big price both ways. Yeah, and it was uh, I think it was plus three eighty for the sweep and like plus four ten for the Blues to win the series. Something like that, right in that pretty, range. Pretty even. Yeah. And he said Colorado sweep. So that's what I took. Ah, Ken. And then last night they get it ah. to two one. So down two nothing. I'm feeling all right, right? I'm feeling okay. All right, Colorado had a slow start in game one. Same thing's gonna happen, but this Blues team, Bidington was standing on his head as he does, and that was my biggest concern. But they're getting goals all over the place, including this one, as they take a split back to St. Louis. Avalanche have been pushing here, but they turn it over. It's a two-on-one. Perron, he's got Bucinavich. David Perron, he scores! Second of the night for Perron. The lead is back to two for St. Louis. They add one more and win it 4-1 as they go back to St. Louis on Saturday. That'll be a 7 o'clock puck drop down in St. Louis. So at least we got a little local flavor. I know the Blues don't have the same buzz, certainly as the Blackhawks, and to a lesser extent, I think the Wild, but at least some regional team that we can keep an eye on because you got to get some kind of local connection when you're t- talking hockey here, as you know. You could try. Yeah. I, to me, the entertainment value and the intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm going to keep, I'm going to tout that gospel from the mountaintops. Yeah. Okay. I, the, my pick series is the Battle of Alberta. Oh, yeah. Calgary and, and Edmonton. Two nights ago, how fun was that? Nine, nine, six. nine to six, and that was like the highest scoring Stanley Cup playoff game in 
uh, 15 years mm-hmm. or something like that. I mean, it's been a long time since 15 goals were scored in a Stanley Cup game. That's in regulation. Uh, you had a team come back from four goals down. I don't expect to see that again tonight. I mean, that that was just outrageous. But that the intensity that is coming to that, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, the NBA playoffs are fun, and they're exciting, and I like to watch them, and it's fun to break down, and there's high quality of play, all that stuff. I love watching baseball. Heck, on the weekends, I'm a big NASCAR guy, too, so I'm watching the racing. But the intensity of the Stanley Cup playoffs in a seven-game series, the rivalries that exist, the physicality that exists, the storylines that are made, the, the stars who are born, they're like Louis Domingue for the Pittsburgh Penguins, right? I know they didn't win the series, but early in that first-round series, when he's pinched into action after playing two games all year and wins a game in overtime against the Rangers, I mean, those are the kind of things that only the Stanley Cup yeah. playoffs can provide. And last night, that Florida-Tampa Bay game mm-hmm. was unbelievable. Uh, this St. Louis-Colorado series, I mean, I think Colorado's going to win. You're right. But it, it looks destined to go six or seven games. You have this Battle of Alberta. I think Edmonton gets Calgary tonight. And, I do too. And, and we go back to Edmonton 1-1. And those, those series are just so fun to watch, right? So uh, the other one tonight... Don't sleep on Carolina. I know Ken's a real big on, on the mm-hmm. Hurricanes as well. They were he able started to, to buy out a little bit because he had a lot of futures on them when their goalie went down. But he is back? He, uh, I, I don't like the idea they have to play Tampa to get to the Stanley Cup Finals, right? but yeah. uh, I think that they're better than the Rangers are. Yeah. That doesn't In hockey, that doesn't mean anything. Uh, anything can, yeah, I mean, uh, so the idea of, of them being up 2-0 going to New York would be a really good proposition for him. Got to win in Raleigh tonight to make that happen before you go back up to MSG. So uh, I do like Carolina. I think Carolina does win tonight. I'm excited for that. And even a place like Carolina, you're like, who in Carolina gives a patoot about the Stanley Cup playoffs? You got to watch that crowd. That is one of the most electric crowds in sports right now. Yep. That, that Carolina Hurricane home crowd. They are loud. They are rowdy. And not is... letting the Ranger fans in either. Oh, no. And, yeah. and that's the other thing, too, is they're selling out with their own people. Yeah. And they are not letting visiting fans come in and raid their building. So it's going to be a fun atmosphere, especially if Carolina gets a couple of goals mm-hmm. like uh, Calgary did the other night. I mean, th- this is going to be a fun, fun night of hockey with those two games. You mentioned the NBA playoffs, what's happening right now. Unfortunately, another night, another blowout. Even the presence of Marcus Smarts allowed the handle of basketball and then get it to Tatum and let him make a play. Tatum gets a good look for three, puts it in, changed to Tatum. 18 points here in the first half. Great hands by Marcus Smart. Smart, eight assists, no turnovers. Little shake and bake and drills it. Marcus Smart with the jumper. Smart hits a little shimmy there, jumper, and it was after Miami. They weren't getting back into the game. I think it was 17 at that point, but Jimmy Butler was playing well in the third quarter, just trying to will the team back. Doesn't have enough help. And game one, I, I think, was the outlier of that series. It was a very tired Boston team. You saw their legs really catch up with them in the second, but you get Marcus Smart back, you get Al Horford back. I maintain, I have seen this story correctly in this series. I said, take Heat in game one, then jump back and take the Celtics for the series, and and I think I got one for once. I think I got this series figured out and chance to make a little money. I'm not sure that they're going to win the series. I think it's, this is destined to be a longer series. I do think Boston is more complete. Mm-hmm. Uh, not an over-reliance on one player. We know Jalen Brown could could take the scoring load if need be. That Marcus Smart is an annoying player. He's yes. a guy that, that is really difficult to like, and he has been his entire career. He's a flop machine. 
I don't like Boston as as a team generally, although I think Tatum and Brown are, are a really good duo. You don't really see a, a duo of wings, wing players together that are that cohesive. But the difference that Smart makes on both ends of the floor, he does, and he has taken over the ball handling duties and the distribution duties to a point I didn't think he could. I thought he was a specialist player. He's, you know... You bring him in to lock a man down, but he's not going to be a, a legitimate offensive option. He's turned out to be a guy that you have to respect offensively, not only as a facilitator, but also as a guy who can make some shots. And then they bring plenty of a heat off the bench, no, no pun intended. Guys like Pritchard who can come in and knock down some big shots. The idea that they could go with a little bit of a different lineup and roll a little bit more with Grant Williams instead of Robert Williams and have a different effect on, on the way the game plays. We know Grant Williams played Giannis Antetokounmpo yeah. really solidly, even though he's a little bit undersized for that position. They are a very good defensive team, and that is a huge difference maker when you really only have to worry about, and I say this lightly because you know Kyle Lowry in a different part of his career was a lethal yes. offensive player even just in the bubble he was carrying Toronto for games when they were in the playoffs a couple of years ago you have guys like Tyler Hero that can go on complete heaters there are guys you respect but if Jimmy Butler isn't going for 35 you really don't feel like the Heat have enough of a punch behind him that Boston is going to be and you saw this with Chris Middleton not playing for yeah. for the Bucks that if you can kind of slow the number one option just enough and get Tatum or get Brown or get Al Horford of all people going in a game, that snowball can roll to a point where Boston, if they're up by 12, I mean, that that game against Milwaukee in game five of their series was a little bit of the outlier yeah. there where the Bucks were able to make a late comeback. But most of the time, when Boston's got you know a three-possession lead with five minutes to go, it is it feels comfortable because of just the way they defend, and they have some guys who can close out games on the offensive side. You know, Marcus Smart, great defensive player, this new point guard role that he has, you know, how you beat him is you pressure him. And we've seen that at different times is that's how you get Boston. You get Smart out of it. You don't make it easy for him. You guard him 94 feet. You do those kind of things. Well, with Struess, with Gabe Vincent, with that group of guys, you just you can't do it. You can't do it defensively to make Smart uncomfortable, and that's why I really like Boston uh, going forward there. But can we get a good NBA game, please? This has been ugly. we got the conference finals here, and we've had three blowouts for all intents and purposes. It just it hasn't been good. And after the first round was great, as good of a first round as I can remember in the NBA. It was, yeah. And there wasn't even a Game 7, but it just showed the high level of basketball that was being played. It felt like a lot of even matchups. It was really, really good. Second round wasn't quite as good, but it was fine. And now we're getting this. Yeah. I, I, the NBA playoffs have this thing about them where if a team starts to slip a little bit in a game, it can get away from them quickly. The uh, Game 5 of the Grizzlies-Warrior Series. In, the Grizzlies are without their best player and we're up by 55 points. Yeah. I, I, some of that stuff just completely defies logic. You had the Phoenix Suns hosting a Game 7 and were never competitive no, in it. That was awful. You know, there are disappointments like that, but I think that is the nature of the NBA, especially mm-hmm. now with as explosive as offenses have become. Yeah. And it's not because defenses aren't trying. Right. It's that Maxi Cleaver can go 6-for-6 six six from 3 yeah. and give you 18 points in one half of basketball. In a different era... 
your sixth best offensive player isn't going to be that effective. Mm-hmm. But the offensive skill of the players in the league now, especially on these good teams that are still playing in the playoffs, you can go on a 17-0 run in two and a half minutes, yeah. just like that, and the game is is over. It, it feels over in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, I don't know. You know, you, like you mentioned, you know, you see teams like Minnesota in the first round go up mm-hmm. by twenty something points, and they can't finish it. Right? right? That doesn't happen with these teams that are left. And Miami goes on a big run early in the third quarter in Game One, and they end up pulling away and making it look easy. And then you had Golden State just steamrolling Dallas. I don't see Dallas. I don't see Dallas. That there's your sweep. There's, yeah. I I don't see like they'll play better tonight. They, then they should. I hope so. Luca will just have a couple of beers before the game instead of four or five. <laughs> I, I had this debate. I want to hear your your thoughts. Okay. Sorry, sorry to divert. No, but, I love it. Uh, Tim Flattery from the Moonlight Graham Show podcast was mm-hmm. here with me on Wednesday. Okay, and the show ended up turning into Trey Young versus Luka Doncic for okay. a little bit. I, I think Luka Doncic is a great player. Yeah. Like he's a special guy. He's got a lot of talents. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of faults too. Sure. And a lot of holes that I'm uncomfortable with. That I wouldn't be like that I hesitate to be like, oh yeah, that's the guy I want to build with the next fifteen years sure. for. I think Trey Young and him are you're splitting hairs. Oh, I couldn't disagree more. I don't think it's close. Trey Young's a nice player. He's a great player. Luca Doncic is a, is a star. He is a How guy. is Trey Young not a star? Last year was great. What happened this year? He he was the same. He John Collins missed two and a half months. Yeah, they had injuries. Bogdan Bogdanovich missed two and a half months. The, you Gallinari get to the missed Eastern half the Conference season. Finals and then you don't show up. He didn't accomplish anything. Yeah, it was a nice run to the Eastern Conference Finals. Did you finals. see his stat line this year? He was doing the same thing. He just didn't have the supporting cast around him because they were injured the whole year. They were injured in the playoffs too. Bogdanovich missed two games in that series against Miami. John Collins was playing with a broken hand. They weren't the same because they didn't have the health. Trey Young was every bit the same player. Did you see he actually had a higher player efficiency rating this year than Luka Doncic did? I'll still take Luka, and it's not even close for me. Okay, I just disagree. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I take Luka as well. But yeah. if you gave me 10, 10 chances to, to pick them, I'm taking Luka maybe six of the ten times. I'm taking him nine. I think that that gap is that significant. But it's good stuff there. So Trey, Trey Young, 28. He, he played 76 of 82 games this year, which is durable in today's NBA. Oh, absolutely. 28.5 points, 4 rebounds, 10 assists per game, shooting better percentages both in field goal, 3, and free throws than Doncic this year, an effective field goal percentage of 54% from the floor, and a player efficiency rating of 25.4 that's higher than Doncic. I'm just saying. Look at the sporting cast. And I understand the injuries last year, but it wasn't all Trey Young a year ago. He had a lot of talent around him. And Kevin Herter is a really good player. He, he had dudes around him. This Dallas team, to get this team already to the Western Conference Finals, and you're three? I mean, Phoenix totally helped out by they did. taking a total deuce right. in the second round. They should have put that series away in Game 5. They couldn't do it. Right. Okay. Let hang around. All right, and I'm with you. And Luka's Luka, not healthy either. It, but Luka has the right pieces around him. He needs more pieces. He, but but Jalen Brunson, who can, good. who can help him take part of that scoring load from him, he's got athletic defensive wings. Like I know Hardaway's hurt, but he when he's playing, Dorian Finney-Smith. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are versatile guys that can three and D on you all day long. 
you can ISO Luca as much as you want, and as long as you have to send a double team, guys like Cleaver and Davis Bertans, they can hit three point shots. And then you got you know spark plugs like Dwight Powell off the bench that have no problem being your rebounding rim runners, screeners that can help open the floor. Trading Porzingis opened so much space for them. And then you got a guy like Dinwiddie in back in return who is Vinny Johnson in the modern day era. You bring him on, he can get you 20 points just like that. I think he's got the perfect supporting cast. It's not the names, but it's the right type of players that you need to surround him with to accentuate what he's good at. But he flops around. Yes. He, he, he can become a black hole on offense even when like he wants to play hero ball even when the shots aren't falling. He is a fun player to watch, but he doesn't have, I don't think, the same kind of consistent explosiveness that a guy like Young can. Young has thrown clunkers up. Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong, and he had a clunker in the playoffs where he had like eight points or something like that against Miami. So uh, he's not off scot-free. I just think it's a lot closer, and they've both accomplished exactly the same amount of success in the NBA so far. Young did last year what Luka's doing this year, and I just think that if injuries didn't hurt the Hawks this year, they would have been right back in the same conversation. They just were never healthy this year. I was probably just a jaded, too, because I bet on them to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I thought there was a run in them back in January. I thought they were going to get healthy. Never and, did. And that never happened. Well, the biggest story, certainly, I think, in college athletics that's happening right now, the combination of NIL collectives, the big conversation. And we missed it yesterday because Jimbo was talking during the show yesterday Ooh. But hearing Jimbo Fisher's comments, coming back and clapping back Ooh. at Nick Saban, I'm sure most everybody has heard it, but if you haven't, just a couple of small clips here from Jimbo Fisher responding back to Nick Saban. You don't see this in college athletics. You don't see this really in sport. You're not going to see it the rest of the week either. <laughs> Shutting him down. Here's Jimbo Fisher yesterday coming back at Saban. And these families, it's despicable that a reputable head coach could come out and say this when he doesn't get his way or things don't go his way. The narcissist in him doesn't allow those things to happen. It's ridiculous, but when when he's not on top. And the parody in college football he's been talking about, go talk to coaches who coach for him. You'll find out all the parody. Go dig into wherever he's been. You can find out anything. Some people think they're God. Go dig into how God did his his deal. You may find out about, about a guy that a lot of things you don't want to know. We built him up to be the czar of football. Go dig into his past or anybody that's ever coached with him. You can want to find out what he does and how he does it. And it's despicable. It's the second time we've had to do this with grown men who don't get their way and want to pout, throw a fit, and act up. Just go ask all the people who work for him. You'll know exactly what he's about. I always said this. My dad always told me this. When people show you who they are, believe them. He's showing you who he is. Wow. Now, see, he's entitled to all that because mm-hmm. Nick Saban, totally out of school there. He with, started it. With calling him and Dion out mm-hmm. by name. Right. But you're telling me Nick Saban's never done anything fishy in his life? Speaking of fish, he totally screwed the Miami Dolphins. Oh, yeah. Okay. To, so he could go be the Zorro football at Alabama. He's not a likable guy. You know what? I, I might be alienating me. and th- th- My views are in no way reflective of Trent Condon or Ken Miller. College football coaches and college basketball coaches, most of them, a large majority of them, the fakest people in the world. Okay, Fakers and politicians. Yeah. They act like they're some big-time deal. And most of the time, they're not. Mm-hmm. Most of the time... Almost all the time, they're only looking out for themselves and the millions of dollars that they get to make. Or in Dion's case, apparently less than a million dollars that he gets to make. 
I don't understand how a guy who has won how many national champions? How, how many national championships? Seven. How many? How many? Uh, College football playoff berths, you know, SEC titles, both at LSU and out at Alabama. How he has any right to go after a coach in his fellow conference, a conference that they're trying to create like a sub-professional league out of. What an idiot, okay? And yeah, he deserves to get his. But guess what? I bet more SEC coaches would have loved to go at him. Yep. He just shut down the entire media days. To hear the response from Lane Kiffin that said he was speechless. Lane Kiffin, as bombastic of a guy as you're going to find... Lane said, "I couldn't believe it. It's just yeah, but yeah, you don't he's, he's kind of biased too. <laughs> yes, he's yeah. got his own issues with. I love Lee Kiffin, you know, but he's again one of the fakest people you'll ever see in your yeah. entire life. He has screwed so many people over one after another in the NFL, in college football, at big schools, small schools. Just a, a mess of a dude when it comes to like trusting him. Yeah, he's a great football coach, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's entertaining as all heck. But yes, he is. I, these guys, the, college football is fun when you follow your team." for 12 Saturdays during the fall. And you live and you die with your team, and you want to see them win one game. I want to see them win today. Mm-hmm. I want to see them win now. And then you, you do this whole, whole thing again the next week. When we look at the big picture, it is such a broken sport oh, yeah. and a bad system. It's always been that way. It has. It's, it's run by people who don't really care about the athletes. It's all about the money and the money generated. We're, we're the only country in the world that has generated this kind of revenue at all in amateur athletics and somehow have hold, held the players hostage for all these years. And now that it's coming out that players can get all this money and everything, now the players are the bad guys? So stupid. This system is broken. I'm glad we're starting to call out some of the successful people. Mm-hmm one way or another, but it's just really showing you how messed up the whole system was behind closed doors to begin with. To think that there wasn't any corners ever cut by Nick Saban, that there wasn't any inducements before this, that yeah, they're doing yeah. it right and everybody yeah, else is doing I it right. I bet. I bet. He is, he's scared. I, I think he's scared of his legacy and how it's changing, and he wanted to coach another four, five, six, seven years. And he sees in this changing environment that he's going to have to do things differently. And when you've done it at such a successful level, and I maintain a guy that's ruined college football because there's only a couple of teams anymore that can win a national championship, and Nick Saban is a reason that it's built into what it's It was always kind of like that. It's just gotten worse. You were you were in around, or maybe you were real little. Colorado and Georgia Tech tied for the national championship in 1990. Yeah. BYU won a title in 1984. Sure. In those, today's environment... Those are, two, those are two examples, Trent. Those are two... Very rare examples, and now that we have analytics at our fingertips, and now we have like strength of schedule numbers, and now that we have a playoff system that you know really favors the teams that are in the strongest positions to start with, it is accentuated. It's made it even worse. The reason that happened is because the media got to vote on who won the national champion. Okay, it, it, even if you go back into the early 1900s when Walter well, yeah. Walter, Walter Camp was doing, like Walter Camp only considered the teams that were playing the Ivy League because that was the strongest group of teams in the country. So if you were the best Ivy League team, even if you lost one or two games, you were much better than an undefeated team in Wisconsin or Minnesota. Those teams certainly could not hold a candle to these teams. An undefeated Cincinnati Bearcat team has no chance against a, a team like Alabama. But they or didn't. Clemson. And that's my problem, yeah. right? So if BYU had to run through that gauntlet, you know, back in the day when the media got control it, 
the hot team or the sexy team or the new team. They were going to get that opportunity to win, in quotes, a national championship because they were just sick and tired of voting for the teams that were always always winning it. And that's what I have a problem with college football. Even then, it was a messed up system. It's just you didn't know all the ins and the outs. Go watch Pony Excess, the yeah. documentary about SMU's uh, football program. That was a team that never accomplished anything except getting highly high-level recruits, and they still got killed because they found out that they were recruiting illegally. I just love to hear Jimbo and Dion clapping back at Nick Saban. And this is, this is what I'm here for. These kind of conversations and the reality. We're now learning how college athletics has been done for decades. This has been a dirty sport since it started. You know, there's slush funds back in the 1930s. This is not something. Oh, oh you should. Uh, there's a, a book called The Opening Kickoff, uh, which is by Dave Revson from the Big Ten Network. And in the 1890s, I mean, you're hearing about ringers and, and you know, people just that were like graduated three years ago. They were ringing back and giving them different names and then getting away with it. I mean, it's always been a dirty sport. It's always been a dirty sport. Now we're learning about it. And on top of it, now the kids are getting paid. I don't see how this is a bad thing. And ultimately, you're going to be cheering for the laundry. And it doesn't matter how this thing morphs and how it changes. Ultimately, if you're a fan of college athletics, you're a fan of the Hawkeyes or the Cyclones, you're still going to be rooting for your team. It will look different, maybe, but it's just out in the open now. I think ultimately that's a good thing. Emery, we got to take a break. Before that, though, we didn't even get to baseball, but let's try to give away $1,000 right now with our $1,000 home run. Go to KXNO.com and enter the keyword when you get there. Keyword for the 10 o'clock hour is bank. Bank at KXNO.com, your chance to win $1,000 in this nationwide contest. When we come back, we're going to get more into college athletics. We're going to hit the Hawkeyes first. Tom Caker from HawkeyeReport.com is going to join us. we got Dave Sproul still to come on the BMW Des Moines guest list. He'll be in the 11 o'clock hour. Also, Mike Palm from Circus Sports, the sports wagering conversation to kick off hour number two. But it's Hawks next as we continue. Trenton Emery here. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. Donating Plasma. Back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Well, it's a Friday. It's May. Usually the quiet time of year for college athletics. That has not been the case, though, here into this spring. Constant changes, what the future of the sport is going to look like. And the Big Ten. Getting ready to get some big money, Emery, with that new TV deal. Uh, TV deal? Money, like we just can't make sure the the players see any of it. And divisions, possibly no more. We're going to talk about that Outies. more with Tom Kakert from HawkeyeReport.com. Tom joins us each and every Friday, really throughout the course of the whole season. He does again here today. Tom, is always good to talk to you. What's happening over on the east side of the state? Well, just uh, I, I don't know if the Iowa baseball team scored any more runs, but uh, boy. That was a wild one, wasn't it? I'm hearing pings everywhere. 13-2, they're down last night. It's going to be a bad loss. I mean, it feels like there. you got Mazer on the mound, your ace. He's been excellent all year. He gives up nine runs. A, I'm going to ask you if you saw what happened there. Velocity down, was there some kind of problem? And then secondly, you come back, you have a historic performance, but not only come back to win a game down 13-2, to put 30 on the board, 30 runs, in a college baseball game. I know this is not the Indiana team that went to the College World Series six, seven years back. They're down towards the bottom of the Big Ten standings. But what a night it was and, and something, I mean, just completely out of left field. It was uh, just wild to see it. I, you know, I peeked in and I thought it was 13-2. And I was like, oh, well, I um, guess we can uh, put, a, put a bow on this season because uh, they really you couldn't afford a bad loss mm-hmm. like that. 
And um, then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, 13-7, oh. you know, and it was so early. So, um, you know, and Mazer had pitched so well uh, for several weeks, uh, you know, past probably six weeks or so. He just hadn't had a bad start and just left things out over the plate and up a little bit. And um, Indiana can score runs. And here, here's the fun question for you. How many times will the Iowa football team score 30 or more points? <laughs> well, with uh, the combination of quarterback and offensive coordinator, I'm going to say two. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody threw that at me last night, and I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think it's a fair, fair question. Well, Iowa continues their series tonight, 6.05 first pitch over at Dwayne Banks Field, and then the season finale on Saturday night. That'll be on ESPNU, I believe, 8 o'clock for yep. that one, some fireworks tonight. So for people either listening over on the other side of the state or thinking about making their way over and seeing the Hawkeyes one final time before the Big Ten tournament, uh, should be a fun series that continues there. Tom, with that, Iowa's got to continue to pile up victories, obviously, put themselves in position to get back to the NCAA tournament. But let's move past baseball a little bit, get into some news sure. and notes that are happening in college athletics. And what a start with the... Uh, NCAA officially announcing now that divisions are not necessary anymore. It's something that the ACC has been at the forefront for, trying to figure out the Coastal and Atlantic divisions never worked. How do you get your best two teams to play for a championship? From an Iowa perspective, if divisions go away, how big of a blow do you think that is on the football side at the West that in most years looks pretty winnable? Yeah, um, I would say it probably, I, I wouldn't be looking at Indianapolis a whole lot for Iowa football or for uh, most of the teams in the Big Ten West. Um, just It's going to be awfully hard if you just do it based on win percentage. Um, but it depends on the schedule. You know, what they've talked about doing is those pods kind of where there's three that you'll play every year, and, and that would be like uh, for Iowa, obviously, it'd be Minnesota, uh, Nebraska, and Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. every year and then you kind of rotate because it, it is silly really that this will be the first time since 2013 this year that that Iowa plays at Ohio State yep. and that's wild to me that you go almost a decade without playing in Columbus um, it just you got to fix that so everybody can uh, every student athlete within a four or five year span can play home and away against every uh, other conference foe uh, but it's if the, it, you know the Pac-12 is doing it right away this year. I assume the ACC is going to start doing it. Um, I think the Big Ten, if they're going to do it, they're probably going to wait until this new media rights deal gets in place, um, and then uh, maybe that will be part of the equation for the new media rights uh, uh, deal that they're going to start in 2024. Uh, it's something to to keep an eye on for sure, uh, Tom. I appreciate uh, your perspective on these things, but I am a Cyclone fan. I, I like the Iowa State sure. Cyclones, and the Big Twelve has successfully been, you know, divisionless. Uh, it, successfully in quotes, I suppose. But there is something to be said for having to beat a team for sure a second time, knowing that you were the top two teams in the standings. My and they obviously had an exemption to do it that way from the NCAA because of the size of the conference that they have. But my question to you would be: Although, yeah, you're not looking at Indianapolis too awful much if you're the Iowa Hawkeyes. Does this challenge them a little bit more? I suppose uh, in recruiting or NIL or a different way to kind of change up what they've been doing. I know that they have long term coach, a long time 
way of doing things, not just in the front office, but also on the field. Do you think that this might challenge them a little bit to make some bigger changes so they can be more competitive in the standings so they might be able to make some more regular trips to the Big Ten Championship? Uh, maybe. I, I think you got to wait and see how it all plays out and see if they actually do it first. I would think that they're going to do it, but who knows? Because I think one of the fears... That ever the first thing when people talk about taking down the divisions and not having them anymore, the first thing people worry about, uh, at least they'll mention, is, well, I don't want to see Ohio State and Michigan play back-to-back weeks, you know. And but you know who would love to see them play in back-to-back weeks? Fox. <laughs> right. <laughs> they, they would. They would like to see Michigan and Ohio State play each other twelve times a year, <laughs> you know, because it's a big draw. I mean, they, that's just. Uh, um, you know, they, they want the best matchup possible. And sometimes Ohio State Northwestern is not going to pull in the eyeballs that, you know, an Ohio State Michigan, uh, rematch would or Ohio State Penn State would. Um, it just, uh, it's just not as big a drawing card. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, Get those big names out there. Get more of those games. And then BTN, enjoy Illinois Rutgers. God, you just college football is just a real treat. Yeah, absolutely. Jeez. So, Tom, with that, you look to the future and you look forward, but there's still games to be played this year. And the West Division, as we know it, is still there. I know the odds came out of FanDuel. I know you took a peek at those. Iowa was listed behind Wisconsin, who is the favorite. Nebraska's up there because, well, people are going to bet on the Cornhuskers. If you were making the odds, though, what kind of price would you give the Hawkeyes to win the division for the second consecutive year? Boy, I'd probably have them right there with um, with Wisconsin. Yeah, you know they've got enough talent coming back. Uh, I, I think part of the reason that the Iowa chances are are not as strong this year based on um, the odds is simply because they face Michigan, and we saw what. Michigan did to Iowa last year in the Big Ten title game, and Iowa has to go to Columbus. They didn't have those on the schedule last year, and that is a, a marked difference in the schedule. And then you figure they're probably not going to run the table uh, in the West. Um, you know, it's just that's a big, big lift for for anybody to run the table against all their division foes. So you might be looking at three losses potentially. So that's hard to see them get a division title uh, when you've got three losses uh, that you can kind of maybe point to on the schedule. With that, I want to get into uh, some basketball before we let you go. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Of course, we've talked a lot about Chris Murray, his decision going to go up to that June 1st deadline uh, for him to make his decision to stay in the NBA draft or come back. Has anything changed since we talked last week? Is we, of course, last week was such big news, him declining the invitation to the Combine and trying to wrap our minds around that. Has anything changed over the last week? Not really. Um, I, I think everything is just sort of status quo that, um, you know, if, if he got before June 1st, an NBA team comes to him and says, hey, first-round pick, we got you, then I think that changes the equation. Otherwise, he'll be back at Iowa. And... um you know, that's just kind of his plan, and that's the way he's looked at things. And he's not um, – it's not like he's – he. you know, he's, he's doing the best he can in this process and trying to uh, make himself as available as possible. But it's not like he's going to be down in the dumps, disappointed if he comes back to Iowa. I think he's super excited about being the man at, 
at Iowa this year and um, and trying to duplicate or even do better than his his twin brother did last season. Got that chip on the shoulder. Want to show a brother yeah. up and, and have a big season for him. And with it, maybe make a run in that NCAA tournament, not get beat by Richmond. Because I think they're a tournament team, no doubt, with Chris coming back. And if he makes the leaps that most everybody anticipate, without Chris, 13 and 18, I think it's going to be ugly. Yeah, that'll be like that. Uh, the What was that? Bohannon Cook sophomore year. Oh, Lucas, yeah. Lucas freshman year with... Um, you know, the when they played, that was the Big Ten tournament in New York City. I just remember that where it was like a week early, and um, and, and they almost didn't play in March. <laughs> they had to beat Illinois to actually get a game in March. So, yeah, not good. Fingers crossed that's not the case. Tom Caker, HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, as always, appreciate your time. Ken, he'll be back with us. He'll get back from vacation on Friday. We'll talk again then. Thanks a lot. Talk to you next week. Tom Caker from Hawkeye Report. Tom uh, also talking about possibly joining us as we make our way out in August. We're heading to Circa in Las Vegas. Got an event where, Emery, you can go. Anybody can go. We got a discount code for rooms both at Circa and their sister property across the street, the D. 20% off. Just use MC20. We'll be out there the second weekend in August, August 12th and 13th. And, uh, yeah, have a couple shows out there. Going to do some sports wagering. And with it, Going to be signing up for the Circa Football Contest. We'll talk about that more coming up with Mike Palm to kick off the second hour. You available in August? You want to come out to Vegas? You know what? I, I don't think I have plans. Uh-huh. All right. My wife would probably be like, what are you doing out in Vegas? Bring her along. I'm bringing my wife. Hey, babe, we're going to Vegas. There you go. There you go. We're going to come back, talk a little baseball. Emery's a White Sox fan. I'm a Twins fan. It hasn't gone well for his White Sox how hopeful is Mr. Emery Songer? We'll talk about that. A little baseball news from last night. To complete our number one, it's Miller and Condon. For details, I've been to Oceanside. Robert hits it high in the air into left field. Ben Benintendi at the track. It is gone! Get right in a big way, Luis Robert. 7-4. to four. Big win yesterday as the White Sox get back to 500. Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3 KXNO. I'm Trent Condon. He is Emory Songer in for the vacationing Ken Miller, who continues his sojourn out in California. He'll be in Vegas for a couple days next week before he gets back next Friday. Emory, your White Sox, 19-19. and 19. Bullpen's been a disaster. They've had injuries. LaRusse's old. Have I hit all the hot points for the White Sox so far? LaRusse's old is a really good one. Uh, you're out. I can tell by your tone, you're out on Tony. Larissa. I wanted. I believed in it, and there, he is a he is a Hall of Fame baseball man. If you listen to him, mm-hmm. self proclaimed. Hey, but he is. Yeah. He's old. Uh, I don't like the way things going. Uh, there, there are a lot of weird things that are done with this ball club that just don't make sense in 2022. They might have made sense in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Jerry Reinsdorf, for you know everything you could say about him and what we know about him and the way – I mean, he manages champions. He does. The White Sox won one under him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Bulls won a bunch under him as the, uh, the chairman, the owner. But he has a hard time letting go of anything, you know, and that's to a fault. He just does not like firing people. He likes to reassign people. He 
really ruse the way the the first Larusa stint with the White Sox went. Yep. Because then Larusa goes to Oakland, has a lot of success. Larusa goes to St. Louis, has a lot of success. And he found an opportunity to get Tony Larusa back after ten years of retirement, and tried to get him, you know, to get this team to prominence. I have no confidence that that's going to happen with him as the manager because there's too many weird things that happen with our team, and I have no confidence. That being said, I don't know if there's a better person to manage this team at this point. I think we're we're in too deep to, yeah. to make an adjustment on that front. So it's a matter of getting healthy. You got to get Jimenez back. Mancata has only played for a week and a half, mm-hmm. and it's good to have him back. You, you want to be firing on all cylinders. You, you're missing, uh, you know, that big bat of Jimenez. But you mentioned the bullpen, which is loaded. It's it's got a lot of good talent and in it's there. It's been bad. It's just a matter of getting them right. Mm-hmm. Because last year the bullpen was great. Yeah. So, and, and a lot of the same guys. Baseball's fickle. It is. It, it happens. And Bullpens you, are fickle. You know, and, and this is the thing. You said, what, the record? 19 and 19? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- three years ago now, the Na- Washington Nationals were 19 and 31, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of May. And I still really liked their team. I was calling it on this radio station I for, was with you. for four months. We were the two. And I was like, this team's good. This yep. team's going to make a run. Now, I didn't have the Braves last year who didn't get to 500 till August. No, yeah, that, that was a weird one, too. But but that's baseball, mm-hmm. right? And that's the thing. It's a grind. And I don't think my twins are home free by any means. And they're not. And no. they're probably, with the expanded playoffs, they're probably a playoff team. But mm-hmm. the White Sox are a better team on paper. And we have to factor in player movement, especially when we get toward the trade deadline. Teams are going to try to fill a spot there or whatever. Another my, bat for the White Sox, maybe? Another bat, you may, maybe another arm. You, you're bringing back some health. Lance Lynn, Not if Cueto's doing what he's doing, though. He don't need another arm. Well, Lance Lynn's hurt, too. you got to remember yeah. that. He's got to come back. He was a Cy Young finalist last year. So all I'm saying is it's a long season. 19-19 and 19 doesn't feel great considering the talent that we have on our team. But at the same time, I am... I've been around baseball enough to know that we can't start counting chickens or counting eggs until we start hatching in maybe August even. Long, long ways to go. We got an hour in the book. Still one more to go here on Miller and Condit. When we come back, we're going to go to Vegas, talk with Mike Palm, Vice President of Operations. The contests are open. Circa Millions and Circa Survivor. We'll talk with Mike Palm.